0: If you have your Bibles, guys, uh, we're going to continue to pick on and pull from the book of Numbers. But I want to start today's message from Mark, the sixth chapter. Because we've been asking the question, do you have an attitude? Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor? "Neighbor." You got an attitude? attitude." Or say it like you're from the street, you got a two? two." All right. All right. Now, again, remember, uh, if you look at your outline, we said, What's an attitude? Attitudes are patterns of thinking that are formed over a long period of time. Patterns of thinking that are formed over a long period of time. And we discovered that when we read the book of Romans, the 12th chapter, that that there's a direct correlation between our behavior and our thought life and our attitudes. Amen? So we're going to make sure that we understand what God was doing and how the example of the children of Israel, when they were delivered, from slavery in Egypt, when they were between the promised land, amen, and Egypt, when they were in the wilderness on the cusp of the promised land, something dramatically happened. Something caused God that says this entire generation will fail to enter in because of your attitude, because of your unbelief, amen? So let's take a look here. We're going to talk about today uh, a, a doubting attitude versus an attitude of faith, a doubting attitude. Versus the attitude of faith. Let's go to Mark the sixth chapter right quick. Uh, And we're going to begin our reading at verse number one. And so for our definition purpose for us today, doubt is a lack of confidence or assurance that God will keep his promises. Can we read that out loud? No purpose together. Doubt is a lack of confidence or assurance that God will keep his promises. Let's read it again. It's on your outline. It says what? Doubt is a lack of confidence or assurance that God will keep his promises. Doubt involves a settled and persistent choice to live with uncertainty. Let me say it again. Doubt involves a settled and a persistent choice. Everybody say choice Choice. because doubting is a choice. Y'all do know that, right? To to it's, it's a settled and persistent choice to live with uncertainty. Let's go to Mark the sixth chapter, right quick, and we're going to take a look at something here because what I've discovered in my own life and what the Scripture teaches me is is that there are many things that God desires to do in the earth realm, but there are many times we and just like the children of Israel, we tie God's hand because of our doubting attitude, because of our lack of faith. The text says here, uh, and let, let's, I tell you what, let's go to the King James version of the scripture here. And I want to, I want y'all to read this. This is, yeah, every time I read it, it jumps off the page at me. Okay. The text says this, and he went out from this, talking about Jesus, and came into his own country. Everybody say own country. See, he, he's, he's coming back to his kinfolk. Amen. And he went out from this and came into his own country and his disciples follow him. Verse two says, and when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue and many hearing him were what astonished saying from whence hath this man these things. And what wisdom is this which is given unto him that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands. Verse three, let's read together. Says what is not this the carpenter? The son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and of Judah and Simon and are not his sisters here with us. The text says, and they were what offended at him. Verse number four, let's read together. It says what? But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor, but in his own country and among his own kin and in his own house. And he could there Everybody say there and he could Everybody say there. It didn't say he couldn't do any mighty works, but he said he could. What well, there do no mighty work, save that he laid his hands on a few sick folk and healed them. Verse six says this, and he marvelled because of their unbelief, and he went round about the villages teaching. Okay, I'm talking about a doubting attitude. Let's look at that first and unpack it, and then let's discover, hopefully, before we finish this message, what it means to have an attitude of faith. Do you have an attitude? Now, one of the central themes in this section of Mark's gospel is the unbelief of people who came into contact with the son of God. That's what he's dealing with here. All of these people had every reason to trust Jesus Christ, yet all of them failed to do so, including his own disciples, including his own kinfolk, including his own brothers and sisters. Now, as we look into this passage, keep in mind what the writer Hebrews had warned us about and warned us against in Hebrews chapter 3, verse number 12. He said, take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Can we read that together out loud on purpose? It says what? Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you. An evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. So first of all, when the writer of Hebrews says this, it lets me know he's talking to the church because he said, take heed what? Brethren. And I tell you, anytime in the scripture when you see brethren, he's talking to the church. Because you are black, don't make you a brother. Come on now. You remember back, you know, back in the 70s and the 80s, you, know, you can hey, what's up, brother? No, brother ain't got nothing to do with your skin tone. Brethren, here means that you have a personal relationship with the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He says, take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you, brethren, an evil heart of what unbelief in departing from the living God. So so even though we're born again, we got to make sure that we don't have an evil heart of unbelief permeating throughout our soul. Can I get a witness today? Why is that, well, because God takes unbelief seriously, and so should we. And we look at his children in the book of Numbers. We find out that that because of their doubting, because of their complaining, because of their unbelief, their murmuring, an entire generation failed to receive the promised land. An entire generation failed to get what God says, I've already prepared it for you. Just go in and possess it. Can I get a witness? Now, 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 don't watch this. Watch this. When we look at Mark 6 chapter, two things astonished these people in Mark 6 chapter. His mighty works and his wonderful wisdom. They were amazed at what he had done from a miracle standpoint and they were amazed at the wisdom in which he spoke. Now, Now, if you really get down to it and think about this for a second. Actually, Jesus did not do any mighty works while he was there in Nazareth in his hometown except for healing a few people, the Bible says. So the people, amen, his kinfolk, those who knew him from the time he was born on up, they must have been referring to the reports that they had heard about his miracles. Because the Bible clearly says in Mark six chapter, he could wear there, do no mighty works because of what? Unbelief. I wonder if, 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 if the, if the script was written today, would what, what, What the letter say there at the Smith household, there at the Pollard household, there at the Douglas household, he could there do no mighty works. There at the at the Hall household, there at the Adams household, there at the Davis household, there at the Johnson household, there he could do no mighty works because of the unbelief. I wonder what the script say that about your family. The Bible does not say Jesus could not do mighty works. He could not perform miracles. We know that, right? We know that he did because the scripture tells us, but there in his hometown, what doesn't happen? And I want to ask you a question. When you look around your own house, when you look at your own life, and there seems not to be nothing happening, seems like God is not moving. Could it be that he's not moving in your life because there's a doubtful attitude permeating throughout your whole soul? Could it be that God is moving over here? Could it be that he's moving in other countries, but because of America's lack of Bible knowledge and lack of faith and doubtful attitude, he ain't moving like he's moving in other places. We don't see the miracles like we see it in other developing countries. Because of a doubtful attitude, because of unbelief. Their unbelief hindered Jesus from having a greater ministry among them. Now understand something here. As I said before, Jesus did not lack power, did he? Rather the absence of faith caused God to withhold supernatural work. And that same principle applies today. That's why I'm talking about this so, 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 uh, so forcefully and so passionately because I understand that God is still in the miracle working business. God is still making a way out of no way. God is still turning some midnight situations in the day. That song is that you song, You Made a Way. I'm a living testimony. I'm a living witness that he's still making a way. I'm a witness that he's still doing some miraculous things in the earth realm today. EBC, we are ready to say, yes, God is still moving in this place. See, the Messiah was in their midst but they missed his work in their lives because they refused to believe. Don't be don't don't I pray that none of us in here find ourselves in the midst of what Jesus Christ is doing but we're not experiencing anything that he's doing. We are around it, we see him working in other folks' lives, but he's not working in our life. Now now watch this guys. A carpenter was a respected craftsman in that day. And still so, still still here today. Mararius since so she's been off off work uh uh, because of a shoulder surgery, has been watching a lot of HGTV. How many of y'all watch HGTV? And she's been sitting there watching it all day long. See, when you start watching HGTV, you want to re- redo your whole house. <laughs> can I get a witness. And, and those guys, are, especially when you're on those shows where they're showing you how they make different stuff. And, and, and so a craftsman, a builder is a very respected trade, and It was in that day. But nobody expected a carpenter to do miracles or teach profound truths in the synagogue. That wasn't his place. Where where did he get all this power and this wisdom? Was it from God or was it from Satan? They were debating that. Go to Mark, the third chapter right quick. Mark, chapter three. And look at verse number twenty-one with him, if you will. Mark three, verse number twenty-one. Do you have an attitude? Where do you get all this power? Because you know he he, 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 didn't, he didn't sit at the feet of Gamaliel. He, he he was not going to seminary. Nothing wrong with seminary. He would, he didn't go to seminary. He was a carpenter, and it was not expected. How many of y'all know God chooses? The foolish thing to this world to do what? To confound the wise. Why does he do it that way? So that no flesh can glory in his presence. God will take the minuscule, the minute, the small, the the, the one that nobody expects anything out of and do some powerful things. Text says, and when his friends heard of it, they went out to lay hold of him for they said, he's beside himself. They're talking about Jesus here now, okay. Let's go to the New Living Translation. I I like the kind of way it puts it here because, you know, his friends, his family members, you know, Jesus was doing all this stuff. And the text says when his family heard what was happening, all of the the commotion and the ruckus and what all Jesus was doing, you know, unstopping deaf ears and teaching in the synagogue. When his family heard what was happening, they tried to do what? Take him away. What they say. He's out of his mind. And some of y'all maybe have family members who are telling you you're out of your mind from driving to Shreveport, driving from Minden, driving from Spring Hill, all the way up to Benton, Louisiana. They are like Benton is five thousand miles away. Yeah, I, I, I know. I know some of y'all family members told you you passed twenty churches before you get to Benton. Just say, say, listen, listen. I'm going where the Holy Spirit tells me to go. You keep driving, amen. Because we got a four lane highway out there. If you get a ticket, let me know. I may know somebody who knows somebody. But try to leave early enough so you don't have to speed to get here, but just pull on up in this place. If you stayed in Dallas, Fort Worth, it would take you an hour to get to church in there. All right, so thank God, amen, for, for a clear path. But they said he's out of his mind. His family, guys. He was a carpenter. There was no expectation that Jesus would speak with the wisdom and authority and perform the miracles that he did. So they were astonished. But here's the, here's the, here's the killing part. Go back to Mark 6 right quick. Uh, uh, it said in the KJV, it says that many hearing him were astonished, saying... From which hath this man these things? Uh, and what wisdom is this which is given unto him, that even such mighty works are wrought by his hand? Is not this the carpenter? Now they're going back to this. I know him. I knew him when he was growing up. See, some people who know you find it hard to believe that God is doing with you what he's doing with you and through you. Because they can't get over the fact of how they known you and what you used to be. Come on now. They're still going back to the days of old. And they can't fathom in, your, in their mind that God will use you, yes, you, to do miraculous things. But that's the kind of God we serve. So why did his brothers and sisters not possess this same power and wisdom? Even more so, why did his brothers and sisters not believe him? Because, again, you know, they couldn't see past his, his humanity to look at his spirituality. They couldn't see past his humanity to understand that he was walking in his divinity. Uh-huh. He was doing mighty works. The people who called him the son of Mary really, they were actually, that was, that, was, that was really sort of an insult when they called him the son of Mary. Because in that day you identified a man by calling him the son of his father. Uh, right. Not the son of his mother. So when they called him the son of Mary, that, that was re- they were really kind of dissing him. Uh-huh. You know, people would say, well, you go up to have to have been to that so-called church. So-called church, all right. So they kind of so they were dissing Jesus by calling him the Son of Mary. The people of Nazareth were offended at him, which literally means they stumble over him. The Greek word gives us our English word scandalize. They they, 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 they couldn't get past the fact that this carpenter son was doing what he's doing, and they had unbelief. He could there, the Bible says, do nobody works because of what they're Belief. So the Greek word gives us our English word "scandalized." I remember coming up in the church, they would sing the song. Uh I there's one verse says, uh, I don't bother nobody. I try to treat everybody the same. But every time I turn my back, they scandalize my they will scandalize Jesus' name. See, some folks now in the age of social media don't wait till you turn your back. They scandalize your name to your face. Are y'all listening to me today? So Jesus here doing mighty work and they were offended at him because carpenters aren't supposed to do this. Some of your relatives are offended at you because you're not supposed to do that. You are are Johnson. You are Smith. And you're not supposed to live in that size house. You're not supposed to be doing these type things and having this kind of kingdom impact. Amen. You just come to church and go home and we don't talk about church around here except on Sundays and we don't do it on Sundays except when we at church. So now you're talking about Jesus all the time. Are you out of your mind? That's what Jesus family was saying. Before I keep moving twice, listen to me twice in the gospel. It's recorded where you find Jesus marveling. I mean, he was amazed. He was simply dumbfounded twice, twice at this point. As this passage reveals he he marveled in this passage at the unbelief of the Jews, at the unbelief of his kinfolk, at the unbelief of Of people who have his same nationality. And sometimes, guys, I marvel at the unbelief of our nationality, those who have African-American descent. After all that God has done for us, after all that God has brought us through, how he brought us through slavery, brought us through Jim Crow laws, and then brought us through all these periods, and now we're sitting here and God says, I want to do more, but you keep saying, I can't do it. Because they won't let me. Who is they? I told you, give me they name. And we're going to go talk today and tell day to get his foot off your neck. See, many times we're not accomplishing things because we allow a man doubts to seep in our heart. And tell us we can't do it. So, so, so he marveled at their unbelief. And he and and in Luke, the seventh chapter, verse number nine, he marveled at the great faith of a Roman centurion. A Gentile, someone who was not even of Jewish descent. He marveled at the centurion's faith. Twice in scripture, he marveled at his people's Jews' unbelief. And he marveled at the faith of a Gentile who trusted that he could do what what he saw him do in other folks' lives. So so look here. When we look at God and his promises, there's some irrevocable promises God has made to us as his people. Look at y'all Number one, God has promised to provide for us. Philippians 4 and 19, can we go there real quickly? He's, he's, He's promised to provide for us. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. How many of you sitting here today have ever been in a situation where you were, you were, you were anxious, you were, you, were, you were breaking out in hives, you were not sure, you, you, you didn't think that you were going to be able to make it. Maybe you didn't have food on your table and nobody didn't know it, but you, you, know, you still looked like you were blessed and prosperous, but, but, but really, you, you were in a bad state. The text says here that God has promised to provide for us. Philippians 4, 19 says, but my God shall supply what? All your need, according to His riches and glory, by Christ Jesus. So that's that's the first irrevocable promise. In other words, something that's irrevocable means that God ain't gonna go back on it. Now, many times, people who we know go back on their promises, but God ain't going back on His. There are many uh, in, in many marriages, people go back on their promises for better or for worse. When worse comes, some of y'all get to going. God has promised to provide for us. Number two, God has promised to protect us. He's promised to protect us. Isaiah 54, verse number 17, I believe it is. Isaiah 54, verse number 17. God has promised to protect us. Text says, no weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. And every tongue that shall rise up against thee in judgment, thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. Do you really believe that no weapon formed against you going to prosper? Huh? Do you really believe that? That's an irrevocable promise. Third one is God has promised to prosper us. Go to Psalms 84 and 11. If I have these irrevocable promises and they were resonating in my spirit and they were really uh, down inside of me, where I, 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 when, I, when I get up in the morning, I, I know it's there. When I lay down at night, I know it's there. And I don't doubt for one second that God is going to provide for me. Is that you? Text says this, for the Lord God is a son and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. Watch says, no good thing will he withhold from them that do what? That walk uprightly. I like what Joshua 1 and 8 says, as this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. But thou shalt meditate therein day and night, observing to do according to all that's written therein. And then you'll make your way prosperous and then you'll have good success. Are y'all with me today? All three of these promises are signed by God himself. When, what, when questions about God's willingness or ability to keep his promises persist, the attitude becomes a lifestyle and we are, we, we, you, you, when you have that, that, that doubt about whether or not God will keep these promises, you headed for the wilderness if he did it for the children of Israel and those things were written for our instruction and our admonition, even though they were sharing on the cusp of the promised land, an entire generation failed to inherit what God had for them because of a doubtful attitude. Mm. Everybody said, Mm. An attitude of doubt can be traced back to our walk with the Lord, but It may not be as easy to see in our own lives as it is to see in the lives of those Israelites on the edge of the wilderness, on the edge of the promised land. See, we can look back in the mm, mm, Bible. Now, listen, if I was if I was coming out of Egypt. And i had been in slavery all those years, my ancestors had been in slavery and I saw God throw all those plagues on, on the Egyptians, if I saw God open the Red Sea and Pharaoh's army drown, and if I saw God feed me, amen, with manna from heaven, and he, he covered me with a, with a pillar of cloud by day, is that right? In and in a, a pillar of a fiery cloud by night so I could see where I was going. If I'd have saw all that, ain't no way I wouldn't have believed. Well, think back on your own life. See, has God ever done anything for you? Has he ever got your tail out of crack before? I hate to put it that way, but I'm just putting it that way. Has he ever came through for you? And then when he came through, you said, Lord, I thank you. I trust you. I believe you. Have you has he worked in your life before? Did he do it 25 years ago? Did he do it 50 years ago? Did he do it last year? So if he's done it all those times, what makes you think he's not going to come through for you right now? He'll make a way. Calling Laura, he'll make a way. See, here's what I discovered in life the enemy will throw up stuff to bring doubt into our heart and to bring those frustration to our lives. He's trying to get us to get our eyes off of the promise, off of God's word. See, and what we find in the choices of the children of Israel will help us to see our own lives more clearly if we will study it and learn from it. The five principles that show us how God deals with doubt, okay? Let's go to this right quick. Five principles that show us how, how God deals with doubt, a doubtful attitude. Person number one, God places regular tests of faith before his children. So make no mistake about it, you are going to be Tested. Your faith is going to be put on trial. Why is God doing that? Because God is trying to root out anything, any doubtful attitude or negativity that's on the inside of you that'll keep you from believing His promise. Go to Deuteronomy 1 and 20 and 21 with me right quick. Deuteronomy chapter number 1, verse 20 and 21. So, so first, first of we need to understand is how God did with that. First of all, he, he regularly placed tests of faith in Front of us, so so if you if you name the name of Christ, your faith is going to be put on trial because it's easy to come to Sunday school and talk about faith, yeah. sipping that class and talking about, oh, look at what the Lord do, and that God is a way, make He do all this stuff, and, and we we quote that stuff, but then when stuff happens in our life, what are you saying? Okay. What are you speaking at that point in time, yeah. brothers? Who went to Man Up Comfort with that? Was that a blessing on Friday night, or what man that that that, that brother broke down uh, that 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 psalm? so deeply talking about living in the word. See, a lot of us want to go, a lot of us want five different methods to do this and that and other, but get into your Bible. Yeah. Study God's word and, and believe the promise of God's word and watch God move in your life. Yeah. Text says "Is and I said unto you, you will come unto the mountain of the Amorites, which the Lord our God doth give unto us. Doth give unto us. Everybody say he gave it to us. Yeah. Verse number 21, text says what? Behold, the Lord thy God hath set the land before thee, Go up and possess it. As the Lord God of our fathers have said unto thee, watch this, fear not, neither be discouraged. Now, the point, point in the outline. Understand that these tests that God gives us, these regular tests, are not intended for our failure, but for our success. How many of y'all ever in school have ever said, when the teacher gave you a test that was somewhat difficult, they were trying to flunk you. Anybody say anything that, that stupid before? Now, how, how many educators do I have in here? How many of y'all talk? Darius, does a teacher give a test with the sole purpose of trying to flunk the student? No, you're trying to teach them something. You're trying to make sure they grasp it, that they learn it. No teacher gives you a test to try to flunk you. They're, they're giving you the test to try to get you to go higher. But well, some of us have said, it, and I think over my career, I probably said that one or two times. She's <laughs> just trying to fuck everybody. No, because if you don't know the stuff at some point in time up the road when you are confronted with it again. What if you. Glory <laughs> to God. Where's my son? Is he back? At, where's Junior? Junior is flying planes now, and he's getting ready to get his private pilot license. And ultimately, he wants to uh, uh, fly commercial airlines. Well, you know, in, in in the course of flying a plane, whether it's a private plane or a, a, a commercial airline, there's there's some math involved in making calculations. You know, even though you have the computer helping guide, there's things you got to do in that plane. So I don't want, I don't, I don't want, I don't want a pilot who 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 thought that that math teacher was trying to flunk them and they just cheated and got by. And I'm up in the air with them and they don't know how to add something together to determine where we go going to ultimately end up. Now, I don't want that kind of, I don't know about you, but I, I want a pilot, a man who passed the class and understood the concept. Definitely don't want no doctor working on me. Huh? Tests are designed and they're built for our success. Look, look, at, uh, look at verse number 26. Go back to Deuteronomy. So, God places a regular test of faith before His children. If you belong to God, you're going to be tested. Because He's trying to deal with your doubtful attitude. Because all of us have the capacity, and if all of us are really honest, there are times when, when, we, when we had trouble believing God for the impossibilities, those things that we couldn't naturally see. Text says, Not, notwithstanding, you would not go up, but rebel against the commandment of the Lord, your God. Keep reading. It says what? 27. And ye murmured in your tents and said, because the Lord hated us, he had brought us forth out of the land of Egypt. Watch this. To deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy. Now, why would God deliver his people? Now, see, 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 listen, when you, when you have a doubtful attitude, you start thinking crazy. This is crazy. Why would God deliver his people for the sole purpose of, of destroying his people? Why would God save you from a burning hell? Why would God deliver you out of your sins to just only place you in a place where he's going to destroy you? No, he delivers you to save you, to use you to advance kingdom principles. But this is how they started talking. To deliver us in the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. Verse number 28. Come on, let's go. It says, whither, whither shall we go up? Our brethren have discouraged our heart. Our brethren have discouraged our heart, saying the people is greater and taller than we. The cities are great and walled up to heaven. And moreover, we have seen the sons of the Anakims there. 29, let's read. Then I said unto you, Dread not, neither be afraid of them. Come on, let's read. He's 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 he's, he's, he's memorizing. He's going back and reminiscing on what what happened with his, with with, with, this, with the truth of Israel. The Lord your God which goeth before you, He shall fight for you according to all that He did for you in Egypt. Watch this before your eyes. See see the, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, everywhere got to be established. See when when the angel came to Mary and told her, Mary, you are the chosen one. Mary, you're going to birth the Savior into the earth realm. Well, Mary immediately knew that she hadn't been with a man. Come on. how? As a matter of fact, she said, how can this be sing that I know no man? Now, she knew man, but she hadn't been with a man. So anytime you get pregnant today, yeah, you knew how it happened. I don't know how it happened. I know how it happened. Come on. Oh, 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 no, no. Uh, uh, pastor, I don't know what happened. Yes, I know. And yes, come on, stop them crying. Wipe them eyes. Okay, all right, you messed up. It ain't the end of your life. Amen. God can still use you. You, 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 you God ain't going to throw you away. Amen. He still loves you. We're going to love on you. Amen. 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 Mary said, how can this be? See, I don't know, man. So what the angel, angel said, you know your cousin Elizabeth? You know, she couldn't have children. She's past this childbearing age. She's pregnant. She's pregnant with a guy by the name of John the Baptist. That's your cousin. So I'm going to give you a witness so so it can confirm what I'm telling you. In the mouth of two or three witnesses, I've told you. Now, your cousin Elizabeth, you remember, she, she wasn't supposed to have any children. She's old, but now she's pregnant. So, yeah, you're right, angel. And then all of a sudden, Mary said, be it unto me, what? According to thy word. See, word produces faith. See, many of you sitting here struggling with doubts in your mind and struggling with faith because you don't have any word time and you think faith will come by praying for it, but it don't come by praying. Faith come by? Hear and hearing by what? So no word. And no word, you will have faith. Did y'all catch that? All right. Watch it. Watch. So, so, go to verse number 32. Yeah, uh, 31, I'm sorry. I almost skipped. And in the wilderness where thou hast seen how that the Lord thy God bare thee as a man doth his son in all the, the way that you went until you came into this place. He just go back and say, yeah, remember Egypt? Remember what he did for you in Egypt? Remember that? How he bared you up like, he, like, a, like a father would bear a son up in the wilderness? Yet in these things, watch this. Yet in, the, in this thing, ye did not believe the Lord your God. They failed the test because they wouldn't trust God. See, God allowed them to send spies over in the land, but they really don't need to send spies. But God said, OK, I, I got to test. I got to show you where you are. So go down and send, send some scouts over there. All right. And guess what happened? Twelve went over. Ten came back with a report says it's just like God said, but we can't take it. We're like grasshoppers in our own eyes. I'm going to tell you all some of y'all better stop listening to the crowd. Stop listening to the Facebook friends. Stop listening to all the folk who ain't doing nothing, and ain't going nowhere and get your tail in the Bible, in the word of God. Begin to confess the word of God over your situation and begin to believe that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask or think. Amen. According to the power that works in you. So principle number one, God places regular tests of faith before we should you. Principle number two. Are y'all still with me? The circumstances of life will either shrink or stretch stretch your faith. Go to Numbers thirteen. Remember, right? the circumstances of life will either shrink or stretch your faith. That's the principle. So, so you know they they were, they were doubtful and didn't believe God and and just didn't trust Him. But, but so when you get to Numbers thirteen, so now what? Is God going to just get rid of them all together? He's just going to just wipe them out all together? Well, no. God loves them, so he gives them another opportunity to trust him. And that's what we find in Numbers, the 13th chapter. Plan A from God was just go take it. I've already given it to you. That's plan A, right? It says every place your foot treads upon, I've already given it to you. Go take it. It's yours. That was plan A. Plan B was all right. I know you're weak, but I love you. I'm a God of grace. We'll send in some spies. They'll bring back a good report, and then you'll be fired up with faith, and you'll go get this thing done. Numbers 13, verse, go, go to verse number one. That's, that was plan B. Plan A was just go in and take it. But because you, you wasn't there, God said, okay, I'm going to get plan B. Send, send some of your, 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 your tribal leaders, your your leadership, Send them over to the land and spot the land so you can know it is what I said. It's full with milk and honey. They even brought back grapes and stuff. You know, just, I mean, just come on. Now. Just, it was just flowing, overflowing with, with fruit and fertile ground and all that kind of stuff. But the text says this. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, watch this. Send thou men that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel. Of every tribe of their fathers shall you send a man, every one, a ruler among them. So they sent the leadership. Your leadership, I said it before and I said it again, your leadership can get you to the promised land or your leadership can have you wandering in the wilderness and dying out, never receiving what God had for you. Amen. Amen. Leadership is important. It's important in the home. It's important in school. It's important in the church. The level of your leadership, the faith of your leadership will either get you to where God wants you to be or it'll have you wandering in the wilderness, just 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 treading, treading water and you're just going to just die out and don't accomplish very much at all. But God don't want you to be there, guys. So we, we know we know that story. I'm not gonna re- repeat all. This. You know they went over and came back and all that. So the, the principle two was the circumstances of life will either shrink or stretch your faith. Twelve people all going to see the same thing, but God wants to see how they will see it. Watch this now. Twelve people all going to see the same thing, but God wants to see how they will see it. Two hundred fifty people. Listen to the same word on the 4th Sunday in January, but God wants to see how you're going to see it. How you're going to hear it. What you're going to do with it. All of us sitting here getting the same word. you getting the same word to other person. Why is the word working in their life, but in your life, there's nothing happening. So God wants to see how you're going to see it. Touch your neighbor and say, neighbor, God wants to see how I'm going to see it. So the spies, they saw a lot. Strong cities, powerful armies, and impressive giants. They also saw evidence of abundance. But how did they see it all? Well, they see it through the eyes of faith. Obviously, most of them didn't. Or did they see it through the eyes of doubt? Ten of them did. So the circumstances of life will either shrink or stretch your faith. How many of y'all, how many of y'all realize, okay, LSU just won the national championship in football, right? I mean, one of the... One of the best, F- yeah, go on, give him a hand, give him a hand. Uh, as I watch this season go on, it's, it's, it, it's amazing some of the stories behind uh, the championship. Now, do y'all realize that Ed Ogeron was not the first choice? He wasn't the second choice. And I don't think he was the third choice. He actually, when they hired him, that's why they paid him so little money, they thought it was going to be just a stopgap measure till we get to the guy, the big man guy, the guy who we really wanted. But they wanted Tom Herman. They wanted Jimbo Fisher. They wanted some other guys, and so they they doubted this 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 Cajun from from uh, wherever he's from, some somewhere down south, <laughs> who talked like this here. Go play football. 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 That's all you know. Football. Yeah. Football. Go Tigers. Go Tigers. So, 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 so there were many skeptics and doubters about his ability to lead a program. And so sometimes in your own life, guys, there are going to be people who are going to doubt your ability to do what you know God has put, on you, put you on this earth to do. Somebody, even in your own family, is going to doubt that you can do that business. But God has put that inside of you and stop listening to doubters and listen to God's word. What does God place inside of you? What is he telling you to do? So to me, it's poetic justice. Even the guy, the quarterback, Joe Burrow, sat for three years at Ohio State. And was going to get ready to sit another year because Justin Fields transferred in. But he made a move from Ohio State all the way down to Baton Rouge, Louisiana. First year was, you know, he did okay. Average college, college quarterback. But this last year, dude was out of sight. I mean, accuracy and everything. But if you had to talk to most people when he first transferred, they never saw that. As a matter of fact, they didn't see that the first year there. People if you had told them what they would do, what they did, they would have doubted that. So what, what am I trying to say? are going to be times in your life, guys, when it, it's not going to look like what you believe in God for. But my question is, how do you see it? What are you believing? Do you believe that God is able to do through you what he's ordained for you to do? The circumstance of life will either shrink or stretch your faith. Personal number three, doubt sees the obstacles. Faith sees the opportunities. Everybody say doubt sees the obstacles. obstacles. But faith faith sees the opportunities. See, doubt and faith are patterns of thinking formed over a long period of time. Two people can look at the same situation and see the exact opposite. One heart filled with doubt focuses only on the obstacles. Another person looking at the same situation, not filled with doubt, but filled with faith, can only see the opportunity. What about you? What do you see? Are you negative Nelly? Are you a dream killer? Every time somebody tell you a dream, nah, I ain't going to work. Every time somebody said, go do it, nah, it ain't going to work. I ain't never seen nobody do that before. Nobody look like you ever done it before. What do you mean you going to do that? Nobody like you ever been president of the United States before. Until it was come on until Barack stepped up in 2008 it never was but now it is and now it was come on why are you sitting there letting doubters negative Nellie's dream killers talking you out of what you believe in God has told you to do. Doubt sees the obstacle. faith, sees the opportunity. And I'm, y'all know the story. See, doubt, doubt, doubt comes, doubt disguises itself. It, it comes un- undercover, but when you start peeling away the, the layers, what you find out is most times people don't accomplish things in life because they have a doubtful attitude. One way it comes is through fear. We have fear. Well, God's not going to protect me, so I'm not going to move. You know, fear can paralyze you. Y'all don't watch movies, and, and, and especially horror movies. I don't really care for horror movies, but on horror movies, people get so paralyzed with fear, they just stand there. Run! Why are you standing there? And some of y'all are like, oh, get out, get out, get out, get out, get out. Get out. So doubt comes in the form of fear, fear, and fear <laughs> that God won't protect you, so you won't move. Doubt also comes in the form of anxiety. What's going to happen to me? Will I be okay? That anxiety you're feeling is actually doubt. Watch, watch what Philippians four six and seven says, and I want y'all to hear this real carefully. Philippians four six to seven. I got, I got to keep moving. So. D- that would disguise itself as fear. What are you afraid of? Well, you know I didn't pass that test the last time, so take it again. What's the worst that can happen? You can fail. Take it again. What's going to happen? You may fail again. Take it again. Do you not realize? And I'm, I'm using the football analogy. I'm trying to get y'all in the Super Bowl mood. That running back for the San Francisco Forty Nine, Raheem. Most of, is it? Most? Of, you not realize that guy was not drafted. He's an undrafted free agent out of Purdue, of all places. I think it was Purdue. Purdue is not a, a football powerhouse. But he was cut six or seven times. He was cut seven times. But now look at him now. Started from the bottom down here. <laughs> Going, that dude was running like a man possessed in the NFC Championship game a matter of fact, I think he was one. Probably he's the second leading playoff rushing total of all time. Dude cut seven times. Told you're not good enough. You can't make it. But look at him now. Guys he got a story. He didn't have a doubtful attitude. Some of y'all you got cut the third time. Well, this might be what's going on. Now, in some cases, it may be your best case to move on. Because sometimes. We're doing stuff that God didn't ordain for us to do, huh? Sometimes we're trying to operate in an area that's not our gifting in ministry. I'm talking about, and you know, I, I can try to sing solo fifteen thousand times, but guess what? Y'all not going to invite me to sing at your funeral, or your wedding. <laughs> don't 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 sit and look at me like that. You ain't you're not going to invite me to come sing a solo at your wedding or your child. I'm saying, look, put me on program, now, but pastor. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, pastor, pastor, Fast. You know what, pastor? You know, you, you're a good pastor. Yeah. You teach that word. You teach that word. Yeah, yeah, pastor. But we already got somebody else, you know. <laughs> I'm not under any grandiose illusion. I can, I can try to sing that, you know, from now to the rapture, but that, that's not my gift. Then. But guess what? I'm going to preach and I'm going to teach to you yeah. like a man ain't got good sense. I'm going to keep teaching you till you do this word. Watch this. Be careful for nothing. But in everything but prayer is thank you, let your request be named known to God. And what happens? And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, should keep your hearts and mind through Christ Jesus. It will. So fear, doubt disguises itself as fear, anxiety, as frustration and anger. When you are frustrated and angry, a lot of times you peel it back as doubt. God won't solve this problem in time. It ain't, it ain't gonna work out for me. So you, what you're doing, you're really doubting God. Oh, here's, here's, here's the other thing other way doubt comes in, it comes through withdrawal. Hear me, folks. L- listen to me, all you folks who like to withdraw. That's when we pull back from others or put up a wall. Not willing to draw close to the Lord, pulling back spiritually. Why? Because there's a growing attitude of doubt. They don't really love me. They don't really care about me, so I'm going to just pull away. I'm going to come, but I ain't going to be involved in that. I'm just going to come, and you know, I'm, I'm going to do my little thing, and I'm, I'm out of here. Don't, don't call me at home now. Because I'm gonna see you calling, I ain't gonna pick up. <laughs> Withdrawal. Then bitterness. Bitterness, the root of that is usually doubt. God, God won't heal this hurting me. You're so bitter and unforgiving. You're doubting the goodness of God. You you've taken that on yourself and you keep you're keeping your heart all stirred up about it because you don't believe that God can really heal that thing that, that was done to you. You don't you don't really believe that God can restore a relationship. You don't really believe that God can, even though you were at odds, now you can be together. You don't believe, you doubt that. But it shows up as bitterness. Huh? But I'm here to tell you, you can. I'm here as a living witness that God can restore broken relationships. God can have you connected with somebody who would, who's, who's, who's opposite of you. So bitterness... If you just let him, he'll do it. Personal number four. Don't miss this. When surrounded by doubters, doubting comes easily. Some of y'all hanging out with the wrong folk. When surrounded by doubters, doubting comes real easily. All you cowboy fans, get out from around them folk who keep telling you that they ain't going to ever get back to the Super Bowl. You go home and say, listen, we got a new coach. Even though we got the same on him, even though he ain't solved his problem, we got a new coach. I'm going to believe. If you ain't going to believe, who else Who's going to believe? I'm, I'm, just, I'm just messing with you. all don't, don't, don't go. I ain't hating on you. The Israelites should have been going crazy with confidence in God because of all that he had, they had seen. They had seen a whole lot. But they would. They didn't have confidence. Because when surrounded by doubters, doubting comes Go to Numbers 14, 1, and 2. Why does doubting come so easily? This is not on the outline, but it's, well, first of all, doubting is contagious. It's easy to catch. (laughs) You you, you sit in a room long enough and people start doubting. They start, even on the job, well, you know, everybody complaining. Now you complaining. Go in there and do what you were hired to do and go home. Don't, don't sit around participating in the office, gossip, talking about the guy who's in charge. Because maybe if you, in, see, if you get in charge, guess what? They're going to be talking about you too. Doubting is contagious. Doubting is also passive. What do you mean by that? Doubting is, is what takes over when you don't do nothing. See, faith requires you to do something. Faith without works is what? dead. But doubting, you ain't got to do Doubting It's just doing nothing. And it takes you nowhere real good. It take you that fast. So if you aren't busy and you aren't involved, you're probably doubting. You got to get focused and active to be filled with faith. Faith requires action. Faith without works is what dead, the Bible says. Doubting satisfies our tendency towards self-protection. What do you mean by that? See, nobody likes to be wrong, right? What if we go all the way up to, into the land and we trust God for great victories and we don't get it? We're going to look real dumb and silly. People are going to talk about us. You know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to lower my expectations. Then I won't be disappointed. So doubting satisfies our tendency towards self-protection. You, you know, can I, can I be honest with y'all? When I made that proclamation in November that we we're going to pay the church off, in January there was some level of doubt when I said that because I said we need $70,000 in two months so if I put my word out there and say what did I said I said we're gonna have a note-burning service in January which meant that I get some money somebody get some money now I already know some people are maybe in a position right now in that stage of their life where they can't do it. I understand people go through those valid experiences. Sometimes you're in the valley in your finances. And so, so I understand that we have some of that maybe going on. But I also know there's some who ain't, if I, if I give an appeal the for the, until the rapture come, they ain't gonna ever give nothing. Cause stingy people don't give. And some folks are stingy. And if you don't know about giving, you don't know the benefits of giving, you won't give. That's why we teach about giving. So, 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 so for me to put that out there, I, w- I was a little bit hesitant at first. Because I said, what, Leroy, what if we don't have enough money to burn the note? And I'm trying to teach us faith and I don't put it out there. We're going to burn the note. Y'all say, yes! But then I start watching the giving. Mm-hmm. They shout, but ain't nobody giving nothing. <laughs> but I'm here to tell you I told y'all last week what we needed, and somebody sold a $10,000 seed. Now, I want, I want you to hear me. They'd already sold a $5,000 seed. So that couple sold $15,000 to make it happen. Now, I didn't ask nobody to do nothing but pray. Fire, don't go, don't. Fire. Somebody ought to shout with me. Fire, fire, don't, don't, don't. Burn a doggone note if I get that thing started, okay? <laughs> but, 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 guys, guys, I was thinking to myself, Pastor, you put your word out there, you say that, what if it don't happen? And that's what we do all the time in our own lives. It's a question of what if it does happen? Yeah. What if it does happen? See, God is only looking for people who are available. To be used by him and who will trust him. He's not asking you to have anything more than what he's giving you and affords you to have. He just wants you to trust him. Even though you don't see, see, faith is the substance of thing hope for. It's the evidence of things that are what? Not seen. Not seen. And Guys, man, listen. Oh, Lord Jesus. Mm. Something inside of me was telling me not to say a date. Just in case we don't raise the money, and it looked bad that we set a date and we didn't come through, I'm just tell you what's come on inside of me. But then God said, "Are you gonna trust me, or what? You can't, you can't halfway trust God." Well, I'm just gonna put that we got a little soft date. If it happened in January, yeah, we slide the margin. Still in 2020, God said January. God is looking for his people to trust him. Call in Lord. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to use y'all's example right quick. They were going through hell trying to get their house redone. I mean, it's, it's like they were just giving the runaround, and they were saying what they can't do and we're not going to be able to do this and it's the only amount of money you're going to be able to get. So they went through all that process and heartache and pain but the Lord came through. And it won't be long. <laughs> oh, I serve a God who's just looking to and fro through the earth, trying to find a man or woman whom he can show himself strong toward. Will you trust him? <sighs> I'm out of time, y'all. Will y'all allow me on this one instance? Because I don't want to rush through the attitude of faith. Will y'all allow me to pick up next week with that? So doubtful attitude. stay away from folks who try to talk you out of what God has already told you because I'm telling you doubting is contagious doubters are easier to find than friends of faith how many I want you to ask you a question and I'm, I'm going to give you this last principle uh, and, and I'm, I'm going to pick up on principle number five next week will y'all allow me to do that I didn't mean to go <laughs> this far, but I, I, thought, I thought it was necessary for you to kind of hear my heart. Man, when I see what the Lord has shown me and what he's going to do through this church here. Now, guys, I want you to understand something. At the same time, while God is blessing us to be able to pay this note off, you know, we, we, we're still building stuff. We redid this stage. Come on. We relocated the sound booth. We recarpeted the whole sanctuary. We replaced the pews with chairs. We built a new storage building that gives us you know, ample space and access to do different things and store stuff. Have y'all seen the new uh, wall around the graveyard? Is that nice or what? So the whole time while we... Paying this thing off, we ain't standing still, baby. Come on, we ain't standing still. So, somebody said, Well, they had that drone out there for a year. If that drawn up there for five more years, it's gonna stay there. But I'm gonna tell you what, God gonna get it done. But we hadn't been standing still. We, we, all this stuff that we're doing, that's I'm just off the top of my head, it's probably two a couple hundred thousand dollars. Storage building, Recarpeted the whole sanctuary, replaced the pews, expanded the stage so that now. Uh, you know, if, if we bring the flags back out, they won't hit you in the head with it. And when they praise that, when they twirl around, you got to worry about them kicking you. Because see up here. We're not standing still. We're just moving in God's timing. And I found that if you trust him. Do you hear me, Curtis Davis? He will provide. He'll provide. So some of y'all, I don't know who this is for, but find you some friends of faith. I mean, people who speak the word of God in your life and fire you up spiritually. Get away from those folks who speak in doubt and unbelief and telling you what you can't do because of this that other. Listen, if God gives you a a revelation word and he gives you a, a, a plan of action, then you just trust God and watch him open the door. Don't try to manufacture God time, but trust him that he's going to provide just in the nick of time. And personal number five, and we'll pick up here next week. It's a short journey from doubt to despair. Short journey. I, I got, I'll pick up the next week. Jesus is looking for a man or woman who will trust him. Every head bowed about close.